Even if you don't watch baseball, the name Lou Gehrig should ring a bell. He played first base for the Yankees back in the 1920s and 30s, and is most famous for playing in 2,130 consecutive games, a record that stood for more than 50 years until Kyle Ripken Jr. broke it. Now, a name that even some baseball fans may not know is Wally Pipp. He's the guy that played first base for the Yankees before he got hurt one day. Garrick filled in for him and never looked back. That's an analogy that gets used a lot in sports and sometimes business, and you can probably guess the underlying message behind it. When you get an opportunity, make the most of it. I was sent out to do a food review uh, because the regular food reviewer wasn't in uh, that day and couldn't make that deadline. So I was subbed in and did that first food review and really, really, really liked it. Next, you'll hear how a writer's chance encounter eventually led to the creation of an award-winning podcast. My name is Stuart, and this is Audience, a Castos original series where we go behind the scenes of all kinds of cool podcasts and uncover the business that powers audio creators. One way to get better at something is to learn directly from the people who are really good at that thing. So at Castos, we do just that. Each episode of Audience features some of the most talented and creative podcasters around. And we hope that by listening, it will inspire more creativity in your work as you dive into this journey of audio creation. Along the way, Castos wants to be part of your creative journey. From our suite of tools, feature-rich hosting platform, and even our production services, we're here to help. Connect directly with us by emailing hello at castos.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes. Food ties to really everything. You know, there's there's farmers who are learning about different indigenous farming techniques. There are farmers who are bringing like new uh, innovative farming techniques to native communities. Uh, there are farmers just teaching younger uh, people how to farm and save seed, save ancestral seed. There are farmers who are just focusing on bringing healthy, fresh food to the community. Andy Murphy is the creator, producer, editor, and host of Toasted Sister, a podcast all about Native American food, people, and culture. Before she joined the world of audio creation, she worked in print journalism as a features writer for the Las Cruces Sun News, based in southern New Mexico. She would write about all kinds of topics, interesting people, important events, really any kind of good story in the Las Cruces community. That was her beat. Then one day, kind of unexpectedly, she got to write about food. And um, that's where I got a hold of food for the first time. I was sent out to do a food review uh, because the regular food reviewer wasn't in uh, that day and couldn't, um, you know, make that deadline. So I was subbed in and did that first food review and really, really, really liked it. And, you know, it turned out I had a knack for writing about food. So that chance encounter became her new beat. Andy spent the next few years writing about food, covering restaurants and writing food reviews. And she loved it. I became obsessed with it and it really became, you know, this this obsession that was, you know, just 
you know, a full-blown obsession, you know, for two, three, four years. And then that moved over here, this love for, for food and the people and culture behind food that came here to Native America Calling when I took a job, you know, here in Albuquerque. Native America Calling is a live call-in radio program carried on more than 90 public, community, and tribal radio stations, and also streams on the internet. With no shortage of topics, Andy launched Toasted Sister in 2017. Each of the more than 80 episodes feels like its own unique audio experience. Sometimes it might be an in-depth conversation recorded from her studio, and other times it takes the form of a narrative documentary with field reporting and on-location interviews. She's even looped in live recordings, like in 2022 when she was at the New Mexico Prickly Pear Festival. If you're like me and had no idea that that existed, that's why she does this podcast. Indigenous foodways and knowledge have nearly been wiped out since colonization. So Andy has talked to a lot of indigenous chefs and foodies about all things native cuisine, which helps document the culture. Her efforts have won the podcast critical acclaim. Toasted Sister earned a spot in the sovereign 100 important people, places, and things in the culinary world and won first place in general excellence at the 2019 and 22 National Native Media Awards. The whole project is a one-woman show. It's literally just Andy working on this. Sure, it's hard work, but it's a podcast made exactly how she wants to make it, whenever she wants to make it. The way I produce Toasted Sister episodes now, it's just one long session. I record the audio and it can be like 45 minutes long. And then maybe the next day, I don't like for it to sit around for for days and days and weeks and weeks because then it just gets harder and harder for me to do. But, you know, I'll take that raw audio file, I'll edit it down, I'll take a couple of notes, like interesting quotes or just like interesting little tidbits about, you know, uh, what, you know, interesting things that the, the speaker uh, said. And then it'll be edited down to, you know, 25 minutes. And then right there, I'll, I'll put the whole thing together, the intro music, I'll record my intro and outro, and then, you know, the podcast episode is ready to go. And then I'll hurry up and write a quick description about it for the website and for the uh, podcast page. And it goes really fast like that, for, for me at least, when before I would dedicate like, an, a half an hour here, another half an hour the, you know, the next day, and that would just make the thing so long and I just, I can't work like that. So doing like an all-nighter, an all-night session that's like four, even five hours long, that's how I, that's how I get these podcast episodes done. For me, it seems like it goes by fast, even though it's four or five hours long. It's interesting, you know, you, you talk a little bit about format and I was telling somebody the other day that I was going to be talking to you and I was telling about this, this podcast toasted sister. I, I had a hard time kind of pinning down the format, which, which I kind of love because I think a lot of episodes feel very different one, you know, one to the next you've been, you do live recordings at events. Like when you went to Las Vegas, you've gone on, on road trips. Sometimes you're recording in, in the studio. Yeah. I don't really have a question there, but <laughs> I, I, sometimes I kind of like that free flowing format. I think sometimes people get, people kind of design this format where they can just kind of crank things out real quickly. And when I listen to yours, it's always like, 
man, I know Andy spent time working on that. Like I know a lot of thought, a lot of planning went into it and a lot of care was taking and, and, and making this thing. Yeah. I mean, it's my baby. <laughs> um, these, <laughs> these episodes come out, uh, the way they want to putting together a live, you know, doing the live recording, like on a road trip, you know, that is something that I've planned out in advance. And, um, I've made sure to come up with questions that are pretty pointed, not just big general questions that have, you know, that has the guest, you know, talking for 45 minutes nonstop. You know, I try to, um, uh, go in with an outline and some kind of roadmap when I'm going to go on these road trips. That way I come back with, you know, 10 minute pieces that I can whittle down to like, f you know, five or two or even 30 seconds. And, uh, you know, some stories, they, they really, I think they do well when they have, you know, that ambiance behind it. Like there's an episode early on about sheep herding. I was in the sheep corral with my microphone and um, the sheep were just like, sitting there not really doing anything just looking at me and the the sheep herder was like you want me to help you and I'm like what do you mean help me and he like you know made a sound and all the sheep just like started running around <laughs> and making you know the noise and the, the bells around their necks were making noise and they were you know bad you know making their sheep noises and that added so much to the episode and you know, if you're not if you're not in radio, if you're not in podcast, if you're not like an you know an audio artist or tuned into just you know the art of audio, then standing there in the field or by the kitchen by the stove with a microphone to the water or in the wind or to you know the horse's feet and in the car you know that stuff doesn't make sense but for an audio like artist like we are it's like oh it totally transports me to that moment where that producer is it really adds a lot of color and you know that's from my you know my my feature writing and my feature brain <laughs> i really want to add color and emotion and you know that kind of depth to these episodes and you know some episodes are just one-on-one -on -one. we're talking and uh, I, I think you can tell when i'm one-on-one -on -one face to face like in the same room with somebody as opposed to like over the phone sometimes you just don't get that kind of connection you don't hear that kind of um uh, you know, maybe like emotion in your voice as you're like, ah, oh, I totally get it. Or, you know, your voice just sounds different when somebody's sitting in front of you. So uh, we'll be there in just a bit, but I'm pretty excited. I've never really been to a, a sheep camp before, but um, it's, a, it's a very beautiful so far, beautiful drive. kind of help paint a picture here because I don't have quite as much experience. In fact, I don't have a whole lot of experience with field recordings. I, I do do it occasionally. But I remember Rob Rosenthal once kind of 
talked about really how organized you have to be to really pull something like that off. And in your case, like when you went to El Paso, you know, you drove four hours to get there. There's not really a second chance. If you don't get it, yeah. <laughs> it's over. You, the, the moment, the moment's gone. How much tape are you getting when you go on a trip like that? And man, um, I think the, I spent around 20 to 40 minutes with the guests in that episode. I know spending time with, you know, this this uh, community leader over at Yesleta del Sur, which is the uh, native reservation right there in El Paso at the border, uh, that I didn't want to, you know, just pop in for five minutes and then leave because, you know, you, uh, it was just my way of like showing respect. Like, yeah, I'm interested in your story. You took time to take this meeting. Let's, you know, get some, let's get some good tape. So I think that one was probably about 30 minutes long. Um, and I think in the episode you're hearing maybe, you know, five five eight minutes you know because uh that that's what the story needed to have that like flow but uh that one yeah it was just a it was just a lot of a lot of editing and really thinking of the story like section by section um and just fitting everything in there i mean there there, there are some parts where you know i feel like eh, I don't, I don't really think anybody needs to hear this <laughs> or he's repeating himself, but in a much longer way. So I'm going to cut all of this out. It's amazing how many, how much uh, people just naturally repeat themselves until you're like listening and editing. Then you're like, oh, ah, he said this three times. I can, I can cut it out twice. <laughs> so, you know, you mentioned you're, you're, your trip in uh in El Paso. You were talking with Rick Cassidy at one point too. I want to play a little bit of that conversation, and then maybe on the other side, kind of see, maybe what you can see what you can tell us about Rick. Our bread here basically looks like uh, it's round. It's um, it looks almost like a half circle. The ingredients are simple: um, just flour, lard, yeast, and salt. The process of of making it each individual tribal family has their own unique way of 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 making it uh my mother just straight straightforward um bread and then she also she also uh would make uh kind of like a sweet bread off of that she would add uh, raisins and uh, a little bit of cinnamon in there to make it to make it taste you know like a sweet bread for it but yeah um every pueblo is unique in in uh in their bread baking and the Slata del Sur Pueblo is no is no different and each family makes it has their own special special recipe. I remember our meeting was like in a conference room. Uh my friend Victoria was there with me. She she's the one who drove me all over uh once I got to El Paso to these different areas to do these interviews. And um, you know, with a tribal you know, a tribal leader like that, you know, you you're having to reach out beforehand, make sure that uh, you know, you're on their calendar. Um you know, even while you're on the road, just like send a quick email like, hey, I'm on my way. Just uh, FYI, I'll be there at, you know, the time we agreed upon. But, uh, you know, I talk to tribal leaders like every day, every other day. And sometimes, you know, you are maybe a little bit intimidated 
because they're, you know, the leader of a tribe and, uh, you know, they've got, you know, this, this huge job and huge title and everything. And, uh, you're trying to like, excuse me, sir, can I have a little bit of your time? You know, you, you feel like you're bothering them sometimes. Um, so I felt like that a little bit, but you know, most of the time they really, they really open up and they're really excited to hear that you are native and you're a journalist and whoa. And she's also a food journalist focusing on native American food. That's so cool. And they really, really open up and he got really, uh, you know, kind of excited and, um, you know, really uh, excited talking about food, excited uh, to just tell the story of Yisleta del Sur, because that's a Pueblo, that's a tribe that is very, you know, goes unnoticed. It's, it's a very small, tiny community just like swallowed up by El Paso right there at the, at the border. So he felt very happy to be on this podcast. So, uh, you know, it just, um, making those kind of connections too with folks is, is really part of the job as well. You know, getting over your fears of meeting these high profile people. Some people like you can't explain it, but they just intimidate you and you don't want to talk to them. You know, I run across those every now and then, but you have to, you have to do it. I think that's the that's your job as a journalist, of course. But, you know, for me, I'm just naturally like a shy kind of person. But when it once that once it turns from like a social situation into a journalistic situation, then, you know, I can I can get a hold of anyone and try and talk to anyone. It might be a little bit awkward, but, you know, I have that kind of like shield of, you know, journalist <laughs> being a journalist that you know makes me feel like I can I can do these things and this is one of m the first interviews that I've you know with a tribal leader that I've ever done that was just for toasted sister it was just for my own little project it wasn't like oh I'm a writer from this corporate newspaper. I'm a radio producer from this giant radio program that's on 80 stations across the country. It's like, no, I'm a host and journalist for the Toasted Sister podcast. It's my own little media thing. That was, that, that was something memorable about that episode and talking to that guy right there. It's just, you know, kind of, kind of gave, um, Toasted sister, a little bit of like those credentials kind of gave me like credentials. <laughs> Did you get to try any of the bread? Pueblo bread. That oh, bread over there really is so good. Yeah, it's my favorite, favorite kind of bread. Like I've eaten all kinds of bread as just a foodie, but I have to go back to Pueblo bread as like my favorite. <laughs> and it's different. We got 19 Pueblos here in New Mexico, that one down there in Texas, and they're all, they're all different, but they're all so delicious. Another moment that really stood out to me on your El Paso episode, another interesting person you encountered was a woman named Lorena Andre. I'm going to play a clip and then again, I want to maybe meet her a little bit more after after the clip you know sometimes when they say eat healthy they present a plate of food to us that we don't know we've never been introduced to and so some of us begin to think that to be healthy we have to eat outside of our culture or outside of who we are 
when really it's a plate of, of chile and beans and nopalitos and calabacitas, which, which is ours. So now when we talk about healthy food, it's like, oh, yeah, that's our food. You know, <laughs> that's our food. And so that's important to be able to show it in the restaurant, you know. And everybody, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, vegetarian and vegan stuff. And Well, that's already in our menu without us even really consciously saying we're going to have Mexican vegan food, you know? It's just like, well, you could eat nopales and chile and frijoles and, and squash, ¿verdad? And that's a good plate right there. So we don't always have the words for it. Sometimes we hear words outside, and then we're like, hey, we do that. <laughs> to me, that was really an eye-opening moment because it's just like, oh, yeah, like all, all these things we're doing that we think are trendy or innovative, like, in fact, indigenous folks have been doing that for thousands of years. Right, right. I don't know how many times I hear, oh, they're just catching up to us today in 2013. Like I hear that all the time doing interviews with Toasted Sister and Native America Calling. Yeah, and that's just another uh, example right there. It was it was really cool to go into that restaurant there and um, be able to share that food that she was talking about. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Lorena? Because I, I really enjoyed that part of, uh, I really enjoyed that whole conversation. Yeah, she was a really, she was a really awesome person. It was kind of hard to uh, pin her down, if I remember. Uh, I remember I was um, kind of waiting around a little bit at that. It's a, it's a restaurant. It's a cafe on one side and then like a community space slash art space on the other side. So I was kind of waiting around for a little bit because she was very busy. You know, she has like all these different things that she has to do to make sure that there's... Um, you know, that the restaurant is running fine, that, you know, all of these different projects that they're doing there are running fine. And she also has to, she also has to make time for journalists like myself, <laughs> you know, especially when they just like pop up suddenly. I think that was kind of like a, not random, but how do you say I just like showed up. <laughs> I just showed up and I thought I was just going to do the inner, I thought I was just going to like sit there and have food and maybe talk to Victoria and we were going to talk to each other about the food and but it turned out like that uh, Lorena was there that day uh, but I just had to pin her down for a couple of minutes in a quiet space to do a quick interview with her it's interesting and you know I was thinking about what you were talking about when you wrote all these features and you would talk to these interesting people and it was always the people that made the stories and it's interesting, Toasted Sister is, it's about indigenous food and cuisine, but at the center of all these stories are, are people. Um, so so what, what is it about, I mean, maybe this is, <laughs> this is probably a really kind of weird and, and, and broad question, but I mean, what is it about people that you, you find so fascinating and alluring? Hmm. You know, I did mention that you know, I'm naturally like a shy kind of person. Socially, I don't go out and talk to people and ask people questions. Like you would think, you know, the amount of people I talk to for my job and you hear my voice and everything uh, on the podcast, you think that, oh, I just like go somewhere, hang out and, you know, have conversations all the time. But no, I I cannot do that. Like it, it makes me sick to think about like going to a bar 
alone <laughs> or going to some kind of function alone. So I never do that. But, um, you know, when, when I put my journalist hat on and, you know, I've made time to talk to, you know, to set up an interview, to set up a meeting with somebody, to go on a tour of a play, you know, their place, their project with them, or, you know, really get into sometimes they're really personal, painful, embarrassing, private, funny lives. It's just fascinating to me. It's fascinating how much passion some people have, especially in uh, this Native food world, especially in Native America. You know, we have so much passion and, and fire for what we do. All of the folks I talk to, like, they they do what they do with um with food like in spite of so much like in spite of colonization in spite of almost losing everything they do what they do you know sometimes with no money and no funds at all it's maybe their side project they go to college and you know work specifically on issues and problems in their own community because they've grown up in these communities without a lot just like myself I, I grew up in uh, Crown Point where there wasn't a lot and I knew I just wanted to bring other people's passion to light just just to celebrate it just to have have it out there for other people to be inspired um, but really it's just to celebrate these people and the passion they have for their culture, for what they do. Because I think that's the most interesting thing about people is, is the passion they have. Like once you ask them about something they love, it's just a whole other conversation with so much energy. And that's just good listening. <laughs> you know, you've said before that, when you were a kid, you're, you you dreamed of being a novelist. You wanted to, to write stories and create. Does what you do with Toasted Sister, does it satisfy that itch? I think it does. I still have like these dreams of like putting out some kind of novel, some kind, some kind of memoir. But that's that's just because of, I think, what I do now. Like all of these people that I've met... You know, I think some interactions are are very strong interactions. They've really taught me a lot about all kinds of aspects of Native culture and even, you know, in my own life, things I was wondering about, things I was, like, frustrated about, you know, learning from actual people who've done it, who've learned from it already. It's been really good f for me and I think it'd be really good for maybe like a, a memoir or something like that but I don't know if I were to choose if like somebody were to give me a book deal right now and then on the other side somebody were to give me like just limitless money and equipment and time for podcasting I would choose podcasting and food easy Cooking's one of my passions, uh, something I do all the time. Uh, you you cover food for a living. Uh, do you do you ever tinker around in the in the kitchen in your free time? Yes, I do. 
I do. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that started the same time I was starting to do those uh, food reviews and starting to learn about other people and other culture and coming across new ingredients and new flavors. Like I started bringing these flavors and ingredients into my own home and uh, watching like every hour of uh, Food Network that I could, like all the Anthony Bourdain shows, all of the like Emerald Lagasse shows like like all of them <laughs> and I literally just learn how to cook by watching these people cook on TV um, I learned just the very basic of basics from uh, my mom but it was from TV where I learned how to um, use a knife where I learned how to you know what 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 pans were good for what kind of food and stuff like that and um, I really learned a lot uh, just from getting myself immersed in my ex-boyfriend's uh, Middle Eastern uh, family. For, for a couple of years, I learned how to make, you know, Afghan food. And I learned just so much about, you know, Afghan culture and history and all of these different foods. And um, I just learned so much from his mom and from, you know, going to Friday dinners every Friday. It was, it was, that was also a really important, you know, culinary chapter uh, of my past was not meeting him, but his, his mom. <laughs> what do you envision the future of Toasted Sister being like? Man. So I just got myself enrolled in like a, like a business class. It's um, with New Mexico Community Capital here. Um, they're kind of like a business incubator for native folks here in Albuquerque. And they have this uh, business marketing essentials class where, you know, we learn about business essentials. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's one thing that I just I, I don't know about like it even scares me to think about like the business end of Toasted Sister. Um, other people are like fine to call Toasted Sister a business, but I'm just like, no, it's not. It's just this little hobby I have. But, you know, it, it is a business like it's it's defined, you know its definition is a business. So I'm going to make it a legitimate business, like an LLC or something. And I, I eventually want it to support me full time. I want to do this for my full time job. I want to do more, you know, in person food stories, I want to do bigger projects like the project I'm doing right now. I actually this week on Thursday and the weekend, I'm going to Los Angeles to and I've lined up interviews for this already. I have a whole outline of this, you know, it's going to be a series. Um, I have a whole outline uh, and it's going to follow my and my mom's connection to food and her connection to food in Los Angeles in the 60s. And that is also mixed with um, the 1950s Relocation Act, uh, the 1950s Indian Urban Relocation Program, where, you know, the government enticed natives to move out of the reservation into urban areas like Los Angeles, which is why my mom was born and raised in Los Angeles. And she remembers one of her first memories is 
eating street tacos on Olvera Street, which is actually the oldest street in Los Angeles and a very important street for like the history of tacos and Mexican food in Los Angeles. So we're going to yeah, I'm going to talk to folks there about the intersection of uh, relocation, native culture, and just downtown Los Angeles culture and Mexican food. <laughs> I have to find a way to say that better, but you know, as I start really going and uh, connecting with people in Los Angeles, I, I think it'll all come together really well. So I'm so excited about that. Like, she just, my mom just came up. My mom just like said, oh, I remember eating tacos like this long time ago, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I just like, you know, Eureka or whatever. <laughs> I could almost like hear the whole thing in, in my mind and I can almost like see everything just like coming together right after she just like, oh, I remember this long time ago. <laughs> so finally going, we, you know, me, my mom and my sister, we finally like lined up our calendars, all took days off and uh, we're going to go do it this weekend. And it's going to be a Toasted Sister episode? Yep. Yep. Oh man, that's that's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that one to come out. Wow, yep. that's going to be really cool. <laughs> yeah, if you if you follow me at all on, on social media, I'll be posting all over, of course. You do a lot of different things. I know you also dabble in like art and photography and all that. That's on top of having a full-time job, on top of producing. And you say it's a hobby. It's an award-winning podcast. Let's yeah. not <laughs> let's give you let's give you your due credit. It's an award-winning podcast. You've been covered nationally by people before. This is this is not some small uh, little side project. This is this this is the real deal. Uh, but you know, sometimes we do forget that our our favorite creators are human beings. That they you know that they go through the same things as as the rest of us. And I know you've talked before about experiencing burnout and having to kind of. Uh, you know, back away a little bit and take some time for yourself? Or are you comfortable sharing anything about that experience? Yeah, definitely. Last year, the year before that was really busy for me, you know, experiencing just kind of a roller coaster of burnout and highs and burnout and highs. And I just realized that the this was enough. You know, I, I've been saying yes to every person who's maybe wanted me to contribute to a food piece about Native Americans, who's wanted me to go somewhere to talk about Native American food and cook Native American food for them, do guest pieces for different food publications and stuff like that, answering emails about like, oh, can you help me connect with so-and-so? Like, So I was just like busy. People were starting to learn about my podcast. My name was getting around and I was saying yes to everything. And it just came to a place where I stopped cooking. <laughs> I started just like drinking more, especially like drinking by myself, especially during the pandemic when, you know, you're by yourself and can't go out and meet friends. So <laughs> so I did that a lot. And then it just came to a spot where I was just like, I'm tired. And I did hit a wall where I was like, not answering emails from editors and, you know, uh, not, not finishing what I said I was going to finish. And I was just like, I don't care anymore. So I stopped that and I start, started saying no to people and just started maybe suggesting other people for things which I do regularly, 
um, you know, because I'm, I'm not a chef, I can't like do a lot of stuff people ask me for. So I, I send them to other, other chefs who can do that stuff. And I've, I really slowed down a whole bunch and I watch a ton of TV, all the shows and movies that, you know, I, I didn't get to watch like for the last two years, I started watching all of them. And I started uh, thinking about Toasted Sister again because it just felt so shitty. It felt so awful for like Toasted Sister to just be like pushed to the back all the time because I was doing all these other projects for everybody else except Toasted Sister. So, so I really started thinking about next steps and how I really want to just do my own thing. And I don't want to do it for anybody else. I want Toasted Sister to just be her own thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to do a couple of little things that are maybe fun that I'm really interested in for other folks. And then, um, I really want to do these projects that I, I keep getting in my mind, you know, keep coming to my head about like, oh, that would be an awesome episode. That would be an awesome episode. Oh my gosh, she's doing something so awesome over there at that tribe in that kitchen. I want to have her on the podcast. So now I'm starting to um, line them up and think more strategically about about the episodes rather than just like Q&A with one person. I want to talk about like a topic with multiple people, which I think I've been, I've been doing uh, the last couple episodes and, you know, big projects like this Los Angeles project. Well, you are doing awesome things and I appreciate you saying yes to me. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, can, nobody asks Anything... about like the, the podcast end as a, as a podcaster, everybody, <laughs> you know, we, we talk about food and, and cooking and Native American stuff and, and that's fine. And I love talking about that too, but this is cool to like get in the background of like the podcasting section of everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's what, it's what we do. I, I love, I love getting to go behind the scenes and, and talk to, you know, creators who, who I aspire to, to be like. And I feel like I learn a lot in the process as well. And hopefully people listening do too. Any final thing, like you want people listening to know about your podcast and the type of work you're doing? I want people to know that there's going to be bigger and better episodes coming up in the future. You know, now that the pandemic is quote over uh i'm starting to get out there and travel a little bit more so there's going to be more uh stories and voices from the road um hope you get to listen i i hope you uh you know get inspired to get in the kitchen because i think that's where everybody should be at least a couple times a week <laughs> well andy thank you this was a good conversation yes it was awesome <laughs> Sometimes podcasts are referred to as the virtual campfire, and I think Toasted Sister is the perfect example of this analogy. Eons ago, the way information and stories and knowledge were passed down were by word of mouth, perhaps around a campfire. Andy is Navajo herself, and her podcast feels like a love letter to her culture, all of the people, places, and food that make it unique. Lucky for us, she's documenting all of it. You can learn more about Andy and her work and listen to full episodes at ToastedSisterPodcast.com. It also streams anywhere you get your podcasts.
And now it's time for our podcasting tip, where our guests bestow some wisdom upon us. Hey, I'm Andy Murphy from the Toasted Sister Podcast, and my podcasting tip is leave your breath in there. We breathe air. Audience is a Castos original series. Our founder and executive producer is Craig Hewitt. Production assistance is provided by Jocelyn DeVore, Isel Brill, and Marnie Hills. Our website and logo design is courtesy of Francois Brill, our head of product here at Castos. All of our music comes from the Storyblocks Library. This episode is written, produced, edited, and narrated by me. I'm Stuart Barefoot. You can find full episodes of Audience at audiencepodcast.fm and anywhere they have podcasts. Next time on Audience, I join Eric and Adam from The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast. It's a great little hobby, and it's a fun thing to like tell people about, and it's a great way to start a conversation. You know, because you can start a conversation just saying, oh, you know, I'm a big Seinfeld fan. But you say, oh, well, I have a podcast that I do about Seinfeld. And like, really? Oh, wow. You know, so there's a little bit of that, you know, that ego trip for sure. So and I think, uh, you know, what else is Seinfeld all about? But without having a little, you know, selfish pleasure once in a while.